When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and today I'll be talking with Kelly Weaver-Fritz, and this was recorded before we all became quarantined in our homes, living this alternate reality. And so some of the things we talk about may or may not sound off base because we're in a different situation today. But I also think that some of the things we talk about, there's a tie between the loss that Kelly talks about with losing her child and some of the grieving we're doing now with just losing some of our freedoms. And I'm not saying it's the same. I'm just suggesting that grief has some ties through it. And I think even if you have not had the same experience as Kelly, I think she has a lot of wisdom to share from what she's gone through and some things that maybe will help us as we navigate this new normal for ourselves. And if you have lost a child, I hope you feel like you're not alone in listening to some of the things she talks about. I think she has such incredible insights and is very brave in sharing her story. So thank you so much for listening. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for talking to me on The Family Brain today. Thanks for having me. Sure. So I wanted to hear a little bit about, we're doing recording a series around maternal mental health. And one of the things that I'm really trying to do is have it be as inclusive as possible because a lot of times, even for me, uh, the only message I really heard about mental health was if you have postpartum depression. And it was a very specific picture of what that might look like. And But one of the things I want to talk about is that families are made in all different ways and that families face difficulties and loss and how that, how families manage that too. So I appreciate you being willing to share your story. If I can help one other person with my story, I'm all for it. I love that. So can you tell me a little bit about who's in your family? What, 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 what is your family made of right now? My family dynamic is my husband and myself, and we have four kids. We have um, three boys and a girl. Our oldest is Ben, 
and then our second son is Jack, and then we have Sam and Lucy. But um, of that, only three of my children are living. But whenever anybody asks how many kids I have, it's always four. Um, just waiting for that mic to drop, if you will, um, asking the questions. But I always include Jack because, you know, I had Jack. I carried Jack. Um, he lived. He lived for three months. So my second son is not here on Earth with us, but that is my family um, dynamic. So, yes, as you said, everyone's looks a little different. Everyone's pregnancy journey and, and time thereafter looks different. Um, and I guess that's where, that's where we start here. Right. Well, and that's one of the things that I love about your story is that you have been very open about how you have, I think you, you had a confidence already that like, no, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm doing. And you might do something else, but this is what I'm doing. And I think there's, um, a lot of, like there's a big gift in that for other people who might not have that confidence, you know, to say like, this is, this is my story and this is what we've gone through. Um, what would you say is one of the things that was hardest in like getting support around your loss? So I'd have to say at first there was, you know, in, in the day and age of social media, you know, you, you can share as much or as little as you want. Um, to me, it's therapeutic to include Jack and to to talk about him and to kind of put it out there that, I mean, and I think it does make some people uncomfortable. Like, I, I have to say, my, my circle of friends changed dramatically. My support circle is not what it once was before the day I had him. Um, it's very small. It, it didn't used to be. Not to say that some people aren't still my friends, but they're not my go-to anymore or, you know, our relationship changed. Um, the dynamic is definitely different. There's people who just can't be that person for you anymore mm-hmm. because they just, not that anybody in my, I, now there's a small group of people who actually do get it on the level that I have because I've met them through grief group or what have you. But, um, but just to say like, I'm here for you or I'm sorry, just the simple basic, like treat me like I'm the same person I was before in terms of our friendship. You know, you don't have to walk on eggshells. You don't have to not say Jack's name. Like, so I think that support circle got smaller after Jack um, pretty quickly because, you know, you just, once you've experienced sickness in that form and watching your child suffer in a hospital setting for however long it may be. We had 90 days with Jack um, and then he died and what our life looked like after people just say insensitive things, whether they mean to or not. And that's when you kind of just shut down and say, I just can't have you in my life anymore. Mm -hmm. Luckily my family Um, My blood family has not been that way. Now there's definitely been some learning curve for everybody. I mean, everybody lost losing Jack um, on their levels. So I am grateful that my family is all still intact in that sense, in terms of my extended family. Um, But my friend's support circle got way Mm -hmm. smaller. But I also gained some new friends who have experienced what I have. Was there some loss in that too? Like oh, yeah. just some still grief is. and yeah, it's hard. It still eats me up 
there are mm-hmm. certain relationships where I'm like, I don't understand how, how could you just not easily, I just felt like it was easy to be there for me. How could you not be? Or like, how could you say those things? Mm-hmm. And they, it still bothers me. And I've attempted to repair and just kind of swallowed that myself and been like, I'm going to be the bigger person. And, but it just, you just can't go back. Mm-hmm. It, it, I just, I can't forget some things that are right. said, you know? One of the things that I've noticed too, is that through my own grief, I feel like I have gotten better at being there for other people. And I think sometimes because people haven't had those experiences, you want them to be better than maybe their life experiences have allowed them to be, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I'm yeah. not saying it's, it's all them. You yeah. know, I think it, it's, it's, you know, also because I get it, you can't fully understand it in my shoes. You either have to deal with that part and keep the open lines of friendship open, or if it's just something you just can't deal with because of the comments made or, or what have you, then, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely not just on one side. It's I'm different. Mm-hmm. There's a before Jack me and there's an after Jack me. I am not the same person on many levels. Take it or leave it. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't change that. I wish I could. Um, believe me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm just not the same person. You know, I have changed in many ways, uh, for the good and not for the good. Um, so I think with that change, you come, you know, and, and with time relationships fade, you know? Um, so I think it's a lot of combination there, mm-hmm. but, but well, they the say that media, about marriages too. It's like you either grow together forward mm-hmm. or it's, you can very easily, you yes. know, two people growing in different directions can be, yes. and actually, so how did that go for your marriage? Like, I mean, yeah. that's, I hear that yes. grief is one of the hardest things on a marriage. Yes. We were warned mm. this either couples either stay together or they don't. Um, we seeked counseling pretty soon after Jack's passing. I wasn't ready. I didn't really want to talk to anybody, but Craig mm-hmm. pushed it. He wanted, and not necessarily counseling for us, but just grief counseling. Mm-hmm. We started together as a couple with, um, I actually still see this counselor and it's been four plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think that's a good point to make. If grief isn't an isolated period of time where like, check that box, move on. It, right. It's and my understanding. <laughs> Well, and that's, again, this was my own personal experience and other people I know, but like that it comes in waves and those waves, it's almost like you're on a beach and you're like, you just sometimes get knocked by some random wave and other times it's like wave after wave after wave, if that makes sense. Yeah. Makes complete sense. But I, I think I thought that too, like the stages of grief, check off the boxes and move on, you know? And I think. on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I really feel that depends on what your grief is from. Mm. Um, because that could be, that could be for certain types of grief. Uh, in my experience, not when you lose your own child, mm. uh, that grief never goes away. It changes, but it doesn't go away. But I think like in terms of our marriage in the decisions for Jack's life, we may have gotten to the end result at different times, knowing that we were going to have to let Jack go. I think men are natural fixers. I think I knew pretty early on that Jack wasn't going to be with us and Craig was not there. I think it was that hope. I need to fix this. This can be fixed, you know? And, and, and so it was never, I never pushed. It was kind I knew he would 
eventually see it. And you got to, I knew if I pushed him there, our marriage would not survive this. Mm-hmm. I knew we had to, I had to let him get to that on his own. And, and then we move forward. So we have no regrets on our decisions for Jack. So I think that helps because it was never one of us wanted to fight longer and one of us wanted to stop him from suffering. So I think that helps. Um, So we've never argued about that, but our grief looks completely different from each other. And so I think that's where the um, working together kind of comes into play where, you know, my grief is more outwardly and his is a little more internal and mine still is intense at times this far down the road. And from what I see, his is not the same. doesn't mean he doesn't hurt just the same as I do, but mm-hmm. the picture's different. Right. So you have to just kind of tread those waters. Yeah. Um, but um, so we see counseling together for a long time. And then mainly I just go. I definitely think we're stronger because of what we've been through, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been easy. Yeah. So what, I know you mentioned some of the resources that you became a part of. What were some of the, the things that you went to that sort of helped carry you through some of those initial stages or even maybe even continually? Because I think no one thinks, okay, this is what's going to happen to me. Let me prepare this list of resources. Like, so how did you find where to go? Like what, how to get information for yourself? Right. So uh, where I had Jack at Shady Grove Hospital, there is a resource who um, is a godsend. Um, she's, she's a nurse by trade, but she basically is the lady you go to when things are going to go south. If you know you're going to have a risky delivery or unfortunately, if you think your baby's going to die, mm-hmm. she kind of is your in-between for planning as much as you can. So all the staff knows what's going on and the NICU knows whatever. She and I happened to click when we met before I had Jack and she's a big part of my life now. So she was a great resource because she's seen a lot, right? Mm -hmm. She may not have experienced it physically herself, but she understands it on a different level. But she put me in touch with my therapist and my therapist is a reproductive therapist. So she helps people who are struggling to have children people who have um, miscarried, but mostly um, late pregnancy to, um, you know, early birth Mm -hmm. loss. So she specializes in that, which helps. And then she has her own little group within her, her patients of, of people who have uh, lost infants or um, late term pregnancies. Okay. With some of them, I clicked and we've stayed close and we kind of, now all of our stories are different, but the end result is the same. Mm-hmm. Our babies have all died. Yeah. So you can relate on that level. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how you got there. Your grief is still the death of a baby. Yeah. So those have been some of my main resources in terms of that. Yeah. Do you ever pause and, and think, how is this even real that I'm talking about this right now? Like, is this actually a conversation I'm having about, I have a child that died? Yeah. Um, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, especially 
as my other children are getting older mm-hmm. and only one of my children knows about his brother and was alive during his brother. And when I mentioned, I mentioned to Jack to my two and a half year old Sam the other day, and he kind of looked at me like, yeah, my brother, what are you talking about woman? You know, mm. like here it comes. It's just a whole new, cause you don't really have an option in my world not to know about Jack. Right. I just don't leave people that option. Unless you're some stranger in the grocery store who asks me randomly how many kids I have. I'm not telling that person anything. Right. You know, but, but if you're going to be in my life, you're going to know mm. my story. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting as the kids get older, how they feel comfortable. Like you've had to get, navigate that as an adult, but as a child, how do you navigate and how do you, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's tough, especially with Ben. Yeah. It'll, but it also will probably make him a really special person that, that pays attention to things that, do you know what I mean? Like yes. whether he would have chosen that or not, I don't know. Right. I, yeah. So, anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting yeah. into, yeah. I'm out of my, whole, I'm out of my podcast, podcast range right now. What'd you say? <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, this is, this is cause we know each other, but right. I, mm-hmm. I, I just need to stop. Um, mm-hmm. what about, um, with your other children, like, do you have any rituals or, or traditions or ways that you make a point to include and have Jack be a part of your family life? Yes. Yes, I do. So in terms of like big rituals, so we have two big anniversaries a year, one being Jack's birth, which is in October and one being Jack's death, which is in January. One's a celebration of life. One, not such a celebration. So for Jack's birthday, that's where we make our celebration. We tend to, in the past, we've, you know, before, before releasing balloons became a big no-no for the environment, mm-hmm. you know, a real faux pas, we would release balloons <laughs> at the cemetery, you know, with messages, we'd write on them and, and um, have family, have a cupcake there, flowers, whatever it took. Um, now we release butterflies. Um, I've had a connection to butter, you know, they say butterflies are a sign from heaven. Um, and I have definitely had some interesting reactions with some, some uh, interactions with some butterflies mm-hmm. since died in those first short period of time. Um, so that's kind of a thing we do. We, we go to the cemetery on his birthday. You know, I, for the first two years, I think I went to the cemetery every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that has faded a little bit because of responsive other life responsibilities, moving, what have you, it's just not the same, but I have a huge connection to go into the cemetery and Ben would, you went with me for a long time because that's just was our routine. So we do that. We go to the cemetery. Um, and then, you know, I grew a garden at our old house where flowers that I could cut and take to the cemetery. It was kind of like, well, these are for Jack. So it's just little things. We definitely celebrate his birthday. And then, you know, my husband and I do um, something on his death anniversary. And and I don't bring the kids into that because Mm -hmm. I don't feel it's appropriate for their age. And I don't want them to feel the sadness of the day. Mm -hmm. I have a little spot in my house that has a couple of Jack's things and like a picture. And that's like kind of like Jack's corner. And I'm still trying to make something bigger of Jack, if that makes sense. And I have not figured out what that's going to be yet. Mm -hmm. We do a big donation. Now something Craig and I do every year is on his birthday, we go down to children's hospital and we take a big basket for the nurses because they were so wonderful to us snacks and um, 
we always wrapped Jack's bed in swaddles. And we had a ton of swaddles at the hospital. And that kind of became our thing. We made it look nice. We made sure everything was from home. And so we donate swaddles from Jack. And we wrap them up and we tie little love notes on them. And we give them to the NICU. And they give them to babies who don't have family or, um, like, who might be there alone or just whatever. Whoever wants to take one, they can give them to that, to that baby to keep. Um, so I want that to evolve into something bigger. Mm. I'm just not sure yet. Why. Yeah. But that is one big tradition we do each year. And it That's seems beautiful. to be every year. Well, and such a nice, it, I'm sure it is nice. just a nice thing to do as a couple. I don't know. It's just yes. a special, yes. a special thing to yes. do together. You know, a lot of people have said that they can't go back to the hospital or mm. where their child was, um, that it's just too painful. And that was Jack's only home. And I feel like a part of him is there Mm -hmm. and I find it comforting. I feel like his soul is roaming those halls on that floor and like that room will always be his room, whether there's other babies in there or not. So I find it comforting to Mm -hmm. go back there. What, what advice would you give? And I know don't give any advice is probably the best advice, but like in just in your having come through this process, what would you say to someone who is sort of at that earlier stage? Like I, my life just got blown up. Mm-hmm. What would you say? What, is there any type of hope in the process or is it? Yes. Hold on to that hope. You know, it, it's dark. There are some really deep, dark days, but you will come out of that. Even if it's just a little bit. Um, life does go on in the sense that I can't move my body. I can't stop crying out for the heavens. You know what I mean? That deep, dark, excruciating pain isn't going to be every second of every day. And that one, there's resources, there's other people that have been through it and that, you know, you need to talk to someone. Number one is you need help. You can't do this, this without help. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you talk to, but there's got to be someone, whether it's a professional or not, you need to talk to someone because you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You can't, it's too deep. It's too dark. It's too sad. You know, they say that it's not the process of life. A parent should never bury a child, period. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it's supposed to happen, right? Right. You're supposed to go first. Our bodies and our minds don't understand that. And so you definitely, number one, need to talk to someone. But you also have to be kind to yourself. You have to let yourself feel it. Because you can't move forward. And I'm not saying move on because you're not moving on because you cannot move on. But you can't move forward in your life and your grief process if you don't feel it. You have to do the work. Um, you have to go through the pain. That's like with anything. If you don't put in the time and the effort to do the work, you'll never heal. And see, I just don't think heal is the right word because you don't mm-hmm. heal. Like everyone says, it's like a scab, right? And every now and then it gets picked and it bleeds. And it's true. It doesn't heal. It's never going to go away. There's always going to be a scab there. But yes, it does change. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does. It does. And I think that 
I think it's hard to remember that it will change when you're in that, yes. like just bodily takeover, yep. you know, yes. where, where yes. it's hard to think yes. I, how am I even going to go to the store? Like, I mean, yep. that's a different stage. Yeah. Yes. Um, because those first days when you're walking around, you swear there's a sign on you that said my baby died mm-hmm. because that's all you can feel. That's all you can see. You're scared to leave your house. I didn't leave town. I would not leave to go. I, I couldn't leave for the first two years. I refused to go out of town. I think Craig and I went to Florida a couple months later, just the two of us and my parents kept Ben. And the fact I had to like schedule that people were going to go to the cemetery and visit Jack for me. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was like three days and it mm-hmm. was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just swear that everyone knows mm-hmm. like it's a dirty secret, mm-hmm. you know, because you feel like it's just plastered. Did you ever feel that like it, it, in terms of dirty secret, did you ever feel like there would be judgment? Like, well, what did she do wrong? Why did this happen to her? Or Oh yeah. Did I'll you- never forget <clears throat> one night Jack was alive. I was in the hospital with him one night. I had stayed there a couple nights. This was after one of his brain surgeries and it was a rough night. And I remember we had a nurse overnight that we hadn't had before or someone popped in. I can't remember. But she was like, it's like, well, what happened? Were you sick in utero? Like, did you get sick? And I looked at her like, who do you think you are? Are you insane that you work in the NICU that you would think to say that to somebody? Like mm-hmm. I didn't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, I think people are definitely like, well, what happened? Like, like, well, you know, I mean, it was a fluke. You can be a carrier for what he had, but we're not carriers. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it was already predetermined right. on one of the chromosomes and either one of my eggs or a sperm. And that's just what we got dealt. Yeah. When I just think as a parent, that's what people sometimes, what did I do? Like mm-hmm. it's biology. It's yes. people do get sick. Even if you had been sick and that was something yeah. that caused people right. get sick, like yeah. that's the human body, you know? Right. And it's just, right. um, but I yeah. think that the brain can very quickly go to like, well, what could I have done differently? Even yes. when there's not really a lot yes. that you could have done. I mean, well, in this case, nothing. Right. Exactly. You know, we did meet actually with, um, at NIH, we both work at NIH and the world leading scientist who studies what Jack had works at NIH. And we actually stood up a meeting with him. And hmm. I think I was 10 weeks pregnant with Sam and it was I don't think I ever even told anybody I was pregnant with Sam for a long time. And it was very, never posted anything on social media. I didn't want anybody to know, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't want it out there. But, I, and he said, let me just say first and foremost, you did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first thing he said. And, and then we kind of talked it through. He's like, I don't want you to have any questions that you could have done something differently or, or the outcome could have been different because there are people walking around the street who have what Jack had, but it's on that end of the spectrum. That's how mm-hmm. wide range it is. He said, he never had a chance. I can't believe he even lasted 90 days. Mm-hmm. So in some sense that gave us peace of mind. Yeah. And sometimes um, I think it's like, you might know that already, you know, yes, but you, you need know. somebody to say it. Like yep. this is, you know, like just to yeah, the number one guy, you know? Yeah. How this might be a, a strange question, but has having other children changed the process of your grief yes or your management of feelings so I've always said I'm not sure what my outcome would have been if 
Jack was my first child. Okay. Cause some people have lost their first child. Um, I had Ben who wasn't quite two and he is why I got out of bed every day. And I, and it's a lot to put on your child, but, um, I definitely credit with him, with me being here today. I think mm-hmm. he just, it just gave me, I mean, I had another little being to take care of and I wasn't enough for myself and my husband wasn't going to be enough for me in those shoes. Um, so that's one dynamic, but then having children after Sam was definitely the hardest because he was the first after. So the fear every day is something wrong with him. Mm-hmm even though I knew now they said it could happen again twice, it would be like being struck by lightning twice, but it has happened and the severity would follow. So it would be Jack all over again. And I have said, I can't ever survive it again. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I just, I just don't think, you know, I could. And so it was hard to say, okay, I knew I always see, I always wanted, you know, multiple kids. Um, So, I knew I wanted another and I had the love to, to have another, but it was a scary journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it has definitely, it's changed the grief process because they take kid, you know, kids take up your time. Right. So when you have someone else to care for the child, that's not here, that doesn't need your physical care is not going to be on the forefront. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, time he was the forefront of my brain not to say he's not one layer back or right there or some days he is the forefront but they keep you busy right and they force you to keep going yeah um and I have no regrets I mean and and it's no secret I'd have another kid but my husband says hell no you know (laughs) Um, he says, you're crazy. He's like, with who? Who is that happening? Find someone else. (laughs) It's not happening here. Okay. Uh. Um, and I just think they were each little blessings from Jack. I mean, to have a girl after three boys, I didn't think would ever happen. And mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, he's watching over us. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a scary journey to have kids after loss um, because you're scared of once you've lost one, you're now you live in fear. Mm. And I think that changes me as that's one of the big ways I've changed as a person. And and people, no one can get that unless they've been in your shoes is I parent out of fear. Yeah. I am that helicopter parent. Ask, I mean, ask my siblings and their spouses. I'm a different parent than they are Yeah, because I'm scared to lose another child. Yes. So I'm the one who gets scared when your kid falls off the jungle gym or the one who is scared someone, you know, can't be left outside alone. Right. You know, so I, I think that just changes things. Mm-hmm. I am a different parent than I would have been if Jack didn't happen because I parent out of fear and I know it's not healthy, but guess what? I can't do anything about it because right. I can't change that factor. Right. But my guess is that you probably being aware of it is helpful, right? Cause you can do that. Yeah, check. Oh, I own it. <laughs> you know? Well, and you can do that check. Like, is this something that, you know, you're either gonna... rational. Yeah. It, it, no. Yeah. <laughs> So my question for you is, and this is usually the last question I ask people is what do you do for your own self-care? Like just in the midst of taking care of all these humans and, you know, being in a marriage, being in a family, what do you do to sort of restore yourself? I make time for Jack, which is my self-care in terms of, I go to the cemetery, whether if it's 10 minutes by myself or two hours by myself, 
or um, coffee is a huge part of my self care. Might not be that great for me, but like that's my like. Okay, I need, I need, I just need to go get coffee. I take lots of showers. That's huge in my self care because I can lock the door and be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a child outside that door saying, "Mommy, let me in," but I can ignore you because Daddy's here. Right. Um, so I think it's just even if it's not every day or it's five minutes or, you know, for the longest time I would never go do anything. I didn't feel like like even just hanging out with friends that I've known for 20 years, I couldn't do it, Mm -hmm. you know, and not to say, I don't do a lot now, but I think it's become more like, okay, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be happy and smile and enjoy all the other parts of life because they would want that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think letting yourself do what, you know, what makes you happy in that sense you know, target great, great self-care. It's fantastic. Um, the little happy bin at the front with all the yeah. festive like holiday yeah. stuff for a yeah. dollar. It makes me happy. It makes I agree. me happy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's happiness looks different. I, I like to shop for my house or, you know, so it's nothing big. It's not like I'm going to the spa or anything, but I mean, a 10 minute shower alone, that's wonders, it's you know, living. that's good self-care right there. Yes. No, I love that. And I love how you can carve it out in small ways. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be an afternoon away. It can be right. these little it's chunks that, that you sort of fill in. Yeah. Well, I do think one of the things, like I said earlier with social media, and it's still a struggle that I have, is I know people have stopped following me or what have you, because I do probably make them uncomfortable because I post pictures of Jack. I post pictures when I'm sad. I post pictures when I'm happy. Yes. It's still my reality. I know people are thinking, is she still talking about this? Guess what? I'm going to be talking about this until the day I die. So if it makes you uncomfortable, unfollow. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's part of my self-care too, is including him. Like, you know, in our Christmas cards, which we don't do, but Valentine's cards, which we didn't do this year, but (laughs) your theoretical Valentine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I always include I sign his name on everything that I sign for my family. I know people are thinking, is she nuts? Like he's dead. Well, guess what? He's part of my family. Like I said, it's always all of us. I sign his name. I put a picture of him. Everyone else's pictures might get older, but we still include him, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's part of my self-care is putting him out in the world because to me that keeps him alive in my way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I, I think that you're, owning of your process is such a gift to other people because not all, it, it's not that you were a, a timid flower before, but like, <laughs> you know, but I think that it gives other people permission to own their process too. And I think that's a really special gift that you're passing to other people. Cause I don't know that everybody feels as confident to say, I mean, it's scary to put yourself out there Yeah, and your sadness and your fears and it makes me feel good to see his little face in my timeline. And Mm -hmm. so I do it. And I think you don't know what effect it's having on someone out there. Right. You know what I mean? You might not have the information. Oh, here's how many people it affected, but maybe it it makes somebody hug their child a little tighter, you know, or, or, or feel comfortable sharing something about themselves. Yeah. Cause I know people who haven't been through loss need a reality check sometimes. And I'm not saying you can't complain about your kids being sick because I do it mm-hmm. and my, you know, they're not that sick, you know, and it's okay. But sometimes too, I'm like enough already, like mm. just be grateful they're here. Mm-hmm. 
you know? And so sometimes you need a little dose of reality and yeah, I'm your reality check sometimes, you know? No, I love it. Well, thank you so much. I love talking to you and thank you for being so open. Thanks for listening to the Family Brain Podcast. Continue to follow our series on maternal mental health. We have a lot of great episodes coming up. And I wanted to say thank you to Kelly Weaver-Fritz for sharing her story. I know there are people out there listening that understand and feel connected in hearing her experiences and probably feel a lot of uh, solidarity in, in knowing that they're not the only ones who've gone through this. If you want to learn more about the family brain, you can check us out online, Family Brain Podcast, Instagram, Family Brain Podcast, and guess what? The Family Brain Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening and hope you keep listening to our series on maternal mental health. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.